Tonight on Hops and Box Office Flops, we'll be discussing a movie featuring a renegade hockey player deemed too extreme for the NHL. A man who finds his fame and fortune in another sport only after being mentored by a character played by an actor born on the 14th of January. Wait, now I didn't know Jason Bateman was in Happy Gilmore. Chubzilla, clearly you're not a golfer, but it still doesn't count as an extreme sport. Also, Happy Gilmore is not a flop. So where are we going with this? Oh, oh no. Nope, not. Nah, I, I just looked it up. LL Cool J was born on the January 14th. That can only mean one thing. I'm afraid you're right, Bobbles Blake. So strap on your bondage gear and rollerblades, because tonight we're playing Rollerball. A movie so bad, sent the director to prison. Hops and box office flops. A place where we can celebrate the underdog films, the bombs, the disasters, the much maligned movies that have drowned in their infamy. So please sit back, grab a beer, and enjoy the show. Welcome to the 189th episode of Hops and Box Office Flops, presented by Woban Entertainment. We are the internet's only bad movie and good beer podcast, co-sponsored by the Kazakhstani Tourism Board, Kazakhstan. Come for the blood sport and hookers, stay for the corporate fascism. I, Chumpzilla, will be hosting tonight for the second installment in our Hops and Extreme Flop series, where we'll be reviewing movies that flopped while highlighting an extreme sport of sorts. Like the extreme roller derby featured in 2002's Rollerball remake. Joining me on this episode is the 2005 Rollerball Comeback Player of the Year, the Thunderous Wizard. Jonathan. Jonathan. Hmm. Yeah, it just doesn't really have the ring to it that you'd hope. Like when they chant your name in the stadium, I just doesn't doesn't quite translate well. But they tried. And we're also joined by the pod's resident naked weightlifter, Bobbles Blake. Bro, look at my bobbles. Right? Like, where do you get all those amazing bobbles? I got a bobble guy. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's probably my least favorite line in the movie when, uh, what's his name? Jonathan calls... Ridley's bling bobbles. Like who uses that word in 2005? This is movie is Frank. Uh, no idea. I had a slight brain aneurysm around minute 45 and I kind of blacked out. I just woke <laughs> up to Chris Klein bleeding on a track and I hoped it was all a dream, but it wasn't. So. Oh, there's about 40 minutes left to go. Anyway, as always, you can find the pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find us just about anywhere you can download the finest podcasts. And don't forget to check out Wobam Entertainment at Wobam ENT on Twitter and Instagram for all of your comic book and near future blood sport content needs. And as the Thunderous Wizard has just pointed out, this movie is going to require some beer. And for a movie this mind-numbingly bad, I went with a pleasantly mind-numbing beer, New Belgium's Voodoo Ranger Fruit Force IPA. And to call this just a juicy IPA is an understatement. 
This beer is pure Hawaiian punch flavored boozy goodness. It pours a golden, slightly hazy yellow with a strong two fingers ahead, and it punches you in the face with a strong fruity aroma right out of the can. And it literally tastes like fermented Tahitian treat with some slight pine and malt notes on the back end. And I definitely mean that in the best way possible. Uh, it's a bold tasting fruit punch IPA, and it carries a Captain Cash approved 9.5% ABV, which you will need to get through Rollerball. Um, so I give Fruit Force a strong three bad movie rating. I like this beer, and I would watch Rollerball three more times if you kept feeding me stovepipes of Fruit Force. Cheers, gentlemen. All the beers. Drink as <sighs> many beers as possible right now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just to listen to how god-awful this movie is. Yeah, you need to get a good baseline going just heading into the podcast about a movie this bad. Um, so here's the tale of the tape. Rollerball was John, famous action director John McTiernan's follow-up to the poorly received The 13th Warrior. Sorry, Captain Cash. The movie is an X Games era remake of the 1975 cult classic starring the late, great James Caan. And uh, rumor has it, McTiernan scrapped a superior version of the script and demanded it be rewritten multiple times to focus on less of the social commentary and more on action and the professional wrestling style antics. Not everybody was on board with these changes, and McTiernan became paranoid that one of the film's producers was talking shit to the studio behind his back, so... He did what any sane human being would do and hired a private investigator to illegally wiretap the rival producer's phone. That, coupled with lying about said illegal wiretapping to the FBI, eventually sent McTiernan to prison in 2013. That's bullshit because the worst thing he did in this period of time is not wiretap or pay somebody to wiretap the other guy's phone. The worst thing he did was direct this steaming pile of dog crap. I mean, it's uh, some cowboy hot dog dog shit. There's a a lot of merit to that argument. Also, it was pretty clear they just tried to make an example out of him, and he was sent to like some very club fed. Oh yeah, club fed baby, white collar prison. But the guy that he hired had committed several felonies. Did that guy? Did that guy go to like? Pound me in the you know where prison. Yeah, pound me with the metal rollerball prison. Oh man, how heavy is the roller? I don't. I'm sorry. We'll I, get I into it later. But how heavy is the rollerball? Is it made of mercury? Why is it? It is it shot out? I don't just tungsten. Tungsten. I'm, I'm done. I, I'm done. I don't know. I have questions about that later. But anyway, the rough cut of this movie was about two hours long, and the feedback from test screenings was notorious bad most people felt the movie made no sense the action was hard to follow and the editing was nauseating the original cut was a hard r with more nudity violence and a different ending the studio mgm demanded reshoots to rework the movie as a pg-13 film in hopes of gaining a broader audience and oddly enough that god-awful night vision scene we get in the final cut of the movie was one of the reshoots yeah apparently the first version was so dark it couldn't be salvaged so let me ask you chums i really hope this isn't part of your trivia but did you read about how desperate mctiernan was to basically sell this movie 
that he invited Harry Knowles of was he of Ain't It Cool News? He was the uh, yes. Ain't It Cool News, yeah, head geek. Yeah. He follow- of- he follows me on Twitter. It might be yeah. a parody account. I don't he, know. He um, invited him to a private screening of this film. He's like, yep. just be brutally honest. And of course, that guy trashed it. Yeah, no, T Dubs. I believe the Ain't It Cool News guy is on the record saying this is the worst movie he's ever seen. I oh, mean, good. Well, we agree then. He he's kind of like. I mean, I get it, and uh, this was like the burgeoning bloggers' fear of the internet and impressing these fan sites that you could buy. Like it was, it's pretty common knowledge, right? That studios buy these dudes. Of course, they invite them places. They get to go to premieres. Yeah, that's any industry media. Yeah, Uh, it's nothing new. But I mean, it's still wild to me that Harry Knowles was this person that was sought after by studios when. By all accounts, he's a fucking weirdo. Well, sorry, Harry, about... if you are actually listening, uh... <laughs> I don't care if he is. Like, what are you gonna say to me? Like, you're a creep, dude. Like, it's on record how creepy you are. Yeah, it's well, that's out there. Yeah. That being said, something about broken clocks or whatever, because he was right. Uh, this movie's terrible, and the reshoots did not help. So back to the night vision scene. So they reshot that whole sequence, um, but. Apparently, they ran out of time and money to properly finish it. So they just slapped that green night vision tin on it and called it good. Dude, oh, you, don't, tr- you don't say, because that, that scene is perhaps the worst scene I've ever seen in a big budget studio it's, motion picture. It's, it's terrible. The, and what's the worst part? I mean, granted, I think at first my brain said it makes no sense for the two of them to be on the back of a motorcycle going 120 miles an hour and talking to each uh, other talking to each other that was bad or the sniper yeah. rifle that fired flares that was pretty bad yeah tracers uh but no there is clearly one part of that scene that shows you they ran out of time and money and what is it guys because i know you know what it is the fact that Which the fact that they you ran out killed of time and money you killed uh, the 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 best star in your movie, and you didn't even see it. It was a green blob yeah, rolling yeah. A, half a mile away. Like, did they only have the one camera? Was there I, no reason they couldn't do a like? Why would you not show LL dying? He's the biggest star in the movie. Uh, you know that's a good point. I hadn't really considered that because I couldn't get over stuff hitting the fence and going multiple times. This, this, that was comical. I know Looney that Tunes. Was, oh Straight up cartoon Looney Tunes. Dude, Riley Coyote yeah. just got shot into a wall this, at top speed. This movie has more uh, visible wires in it than a 1960s Toho Godzilla film. I think. I mean, that was pretty clear. They'd run out of money when you see I mean, like yeah. Kubrick faked the moon landing better than this shit. This is awful. This is so. This is so. This is. Did did Buzz Aldrin give you a moon rock too, Bobbles Blake? I don't know, but I know one thing is that Moonfall is going to be the shortest shit movie champ reign in the history of Hops and Box Office. It's, it's actually official. Moonfall is the fucking Buster Douglas of shit movie champions. It Dude. showed up. Hey, oh wow! It showed up. It took. It took Rollerball for granted. Its nipples were pointed in the wrong direction. It was 40 pounds overweight and it just got knocked the fuck out by rolling. I mean, I mean, showed up 
showed up and knocked off a long-standing uh, 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 belt holder, right? I mean, the title was held by Home Sweet Home Alone for damn near a year. Dude, yeah. Moonfall came in hot. It made me look at Samuel Tarley in his underwear. Like, boom. You know, And then, was, and then like, two weeks later. Yeah, it's funny because I, I knew about Rollerball. I was aware of this movie when it came out. And I'd never, I'd never seen it before. I wasn't prepared for how bad it was going to be. But to get back to my, to my story here for a second about that awful, awful night vision scene, reshooting that alone delayed the release of this movie by six months. That's what pushed this from a late summer fall release in twenty or in two thousand and one to a February two thousand and two release, where it was basically just dumped to die. And rightfully so. Uh, so anyway, obviously, Rollerball was critically panned when it was released, and it was a disaster uh, at the box office. It currently sits at 3% on Rotten Tomatoes with that's, an audience score not much higher at 14. Dude, that's 3 and 14 too high. This, <laughs> these, should have, these should be negative numbers. This is awful. It's, I so, it's yeah. awful. I can't it's believe a, a critic who got paid to write reviews liked it. So who who out there gave this a positive review? And were you on drugs? No, it's 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 uh, it's 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 cool James's brother, MM, medium warm J, and that's it. Because there's like it has to be his mom. It's somebody's mother. It's Chris like, Klein's mom, yeah. Nobody, this is this is objectively dog shit this is this is first year film school level production it's just shit which is shocking coming from mctiernan but as you said bobbles blake there is nothing redeeming about this movie other than uncle jesse's ex in a pleather bodysuit the theatrical cut runs 98 nonsensical minutes and you can find it for free thank god and you guessed it on tubi and the roku channel Okay, I guess that's a thing. To be money. Yeah. Hashtag to be and booty. Come on, hook us up. Um, so gentlemen, that brings us to one liners. And uh T dubs, I'm gonna ask you to start us off. I mean, yeah, there this is a movie about extreme rollerblading. Uh uh that's a sport with motorcycles and other weapons. Uh that absolutely should have been a tax write-off. Probably was. I'm sure there was some creative accounting done here. What do you say, Bobbles Blake? What's your one-line description? The Running Man and Death Race had a bastard child that was really into rollerblading. And maybe street luge for some reason. And God, I hope it got bullied relentlessly. Mm, vindictive, I like it. Oh, here you go. I'll give you a better one. Before Chris Klein walked through the raindrops... He skated through the pain drops. <laughs> oh, this is so. Oh, I just. Oh, that's that's art, T Dubs. That's art. That's that's beautiful. Poetry. I wish I was funnier. This movie sucks, uh, guys. I don't think I'm going out on the limb when I say that I am the resident like apologist on the pod. Like I'll pretty much defend everything. I like everything. I am. I am the yin to Chumpzilla's Yang. Yeah, fair. And 
there's 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 nothing. I talked to Mrs. Bling earlier tonight and I was like, I'm trying to find something to say nice and I can't. I it's mm. I'm sorry, no. please go on. Please no, go on. you're you're not wrong, Bobbles. You're not wrong. Uh so here's my one liner. Rollerball feels like 98 minutes of ESPN 8 B-roll combined with the outtakes from a straight-to-video American Pie sequel. The Ocho! Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, but no, it it is tough to find anything redeeming about this movie, and I have to admit, this might be my favorite IMDb one-liner of all time, which could well possibly be the only redeeming thing about this film is that gives us this fantastic one-line description the big thing in 2005 is a violent sport which can have some pretty serious consequences. Dot, dot, dot. Like dying. Golf club. What the fuck? Someone was paying to write that? Did they, they clearly didn't watch the movie because they knew better. Yeah. That's, you a, know that's what, a golf club. You know what the Come serious on. consequences are? You casted Chris Klein as your leading man. That's a Why? serious consequence. Why? Did... did I who who saw him in a movie or 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 an audition room and thought this guy can act? He's not even that good looking. He's I a mean, big moon faced moron. I, yeah, I mean, it's like I think they probably wanted like somebody else, like Keanu Reeves, and couldn't get him. So ah, they look a little bit alike. We'll go with that. Uh, for for the original to have pod favorite Jimmy Jack Khan uh, as the lead to this is the biggest step down in a remake perhaps ever. I mean, the, the Ben-Hur one is also pretty extreme, but at least that guy's a good actor. Uh, his name is escaping me. Maybe Jack Huston, Houston, but good God to go from James Conn, Sonny Corleone, an actual yeah. actor yeah. Yeah. yeah, to a blow up doll of a human being. Well, and frankly, it doesn't help, though, that the script for this was way worse than the original. The original was much more cohesive. It was clunky, but at least it made sense. But, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, so as we've already said, you know, this movie was directed by John Predator, The Hunt for Red October, Die Hard, Die Hard with a Vengeance, um, The Thomas Crown Affair, McTiernan. What happened? Three-time pot appearer. Right, yeah. we get him for the Thirteenth Warrior, which not that's very good. Good, it's a good uh, movie. Uh, that that, good that movie. was entertaining. It was entertaining. Yeah. It made uh, sense. I'll we, take Cash's position on this one. I also like that movie. It's we I get enjoyed him it as well for one of my favorite films. Oh, well, not really a favorite, hero. but a guilty pleasure. Last Action Hero. Right. Yeah. So I'm sorry, Mr. McTiernan, that you seem to come on here for all the wrong reasons, and yeah. this is the wrongest of reasons. No, he he belongs on this show for this one. The other ones I will give you should not have been flops. No, they, I, they should be better movies or have been received better. I this just one, wish he, he wasn't has known earned for this. his spot on this show. Yeah, yeah, the highest highs and the lowest lows. I mean, what can you say? But anyway, the funny thing to me is that the guys that he had rewrite the original script both have decent screenwriting credits to their names as well. The Hunt for Red October, Beverly Hills Cop Two. U.S. Marshals, Highlander, Alien 3, The Skulls. Wait a minute. Okay, so hold on. There might be some questionable stuff there, too. The last two are going to be on this pod at some point in the future, no doubt, right? Their career trajectory sort of follows his own. Yeah. Where 
kind of like, mean, oh shit, these guys are a hot commodity. And then uh, you get to like U.S. Marshals, it's like, ah, maybe not. Maybe, yeah. Maybe so not. to be fair to your point, Bobbles, about Chris Klein's acting ability, this movie didn't kill his career per se, but this was his first action movie. This was him jumping from American Pie 2 to action as the headliner. I think this killed his career as a leading man. And well, he I think, wasn't funny in American Pie either. Like he's yeah. not he's he like he's the least funny person in that in comedy movies, movie. Yeah. yeah. And uh and it sent McTernan to jail eventually, but it effectively killed his like A-list director's credibility as well. So this this movie had some serious collateral damage. Yeah, he's he's still sort of persona non grata, even though he's out of prison. I know he was yeah. like directing a movie in France. Yeah, I mean, he went like bankrupt but, while he was in prison. Yeah, he just, yeah, all sorts of weird shit happened to him. And yeah, basically he's he's on the outside looking in now. Um, he won't be doing the next big blockbuster, sadly. But anyway, he'll be uh, back. He'll be back. That guy's got street cred. I don't know. I think that window's closed. But as bad as this movie is, and outside of the cardboard uh bland lead, it's actually a pretty decent cast of some familiar face. <clears throat> excuse me. Some familiar faces and pod favorites. Um, we've got Chris Nash Klein as Jonathan Cross, LL Cool J as Rid Ridley. Uh, we've got Rebecca Romaine as Aurora. We've got Jean Leon Renault as Russian Vince McMahon. You've got uh, Naveen Saeed Andrews as Sanjay. And here's probably my favorite character in the movie. We've got Oleg Nikolai. Taktarov as Denny. He Love was, that dude. Yeah, dude, he was he was great in uh, Predators. Yeah, and uh, let's not forget Andrew Latimer Bernowski as Holleran. And uh, welcome back to the pod. Yeah, come on. Love that dude. Uh, and we also get professional wrestling manager Paul Heyman as an unnamed sports announcer, and a couple of quick cameos from Shane McMahon, Pink, and Slipknot. Um, the, the band, not not the guy. Not singing a squad. Slipknot song, though. Aren't they? I don't think they are. They're, yeah. Aren't they singing somebody else's song? They're, no, I figured Pink, it was all originals, no, but Pink, I don't Pink know is, that song. Pink is lip-syncing Pink is, Rob Zombie. Okay. Pink yeah. is lip-syncing, okay. Yeah, no. Yeah. And the f- fun fact about Slipknot, you actually get footage of them in the movie. They're not just on the soundtrack. They're in the movie performing yeah. for one of the, the rollerball matches. When um, he does the revenge thing, when he when he, he hits the window and tells him, hey, play the fucking metal song no, so everybody knows no, no, that we're no, going to do it. No, it's before. No, that's the first game. It's before like the second or third game. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. the point is Slipknot wasn't even on set. That was actually footage from another concert that they composited into the movie. Oh, good job. I, I have to admit, of all the shitty effects in the movie, that's the one that didn't bother me at all. That, me. that one, yeah, wasn't as obvious. I, I didn't uh, notice it. It's the one I didn't know. That's fair. Uh, first of all... I, so this movie, right? Say you watch The Running Man, right? And it's got the the nice arena. It's got the TV. The people are watching it. Yeah. Who the fuck would go to the, this arena? It it looks like I, you're going to get shanked in the parking lot at all these rollerball arenas. There's so much to the world building that they try to do in this movie that just it's just so unsatisfying. Where are we? Are we in Eastern How- Europe? Uh, are we in a, Central Asia, so Russia, but it's canonically, yes, canonically, the movie, the, the main setting is Kazakhstan. 
Turkmenistan? Sure. Zakovia? Um, where are the it, Borats from? Why are all... <laughs> Uzbekistan! Motherfuckers! Why are all the police Southeast Asian? Uh, and, all know, the police are South... And they kill a guy! I just... This, this, this so, does yeah. not... This, this is, hold on. This does not so come much. up. I'm glad you said something because I didn't know how to, to introduce this into my, my script for the pod. One of the studio's notes on the movie before the reshoots was like, it's too Asian. I don't even know what that means because it makes me nervous. Uh, <laughs> it makes a bunch of white dudes saying that. And I'm like, I, I don't know what that there's means. There's not a lot that makes sense. Like Jean Reno. All the, French all the hot women in the club in the beginning are like, are, are transvestites for some reason. Like, why are they all dressed with the weird, like haircut and the tuxedo bikini? I don't, why? Oh, I don't this movie. There's a there, there is no why. Um, well, it's you know the owner is Russian. Oleg Tuktarov, obviously Russian. All his friends mm-hmm. Russian. Yep. But they're in Kazakhstan, and then all the police are Chinese nationals. So yeah. why is <laughs> no? They're definitely North Korean. They have I, the red band and everything. But why? Why yeah. is Jean Reno Russian? Is he doing a Russian accent? Because it doesn't he, sound he like he attempts it. Really? Accent. Everybody no, is doing an not. accent for like lines at a time. For example, Rebecca Romaine. Yes. Who um, is Russian? Isn't she actually Eastern European? No. I, she's no. American. She's American. No, yeah, she's, she's not. She's yeah. born in the US, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. What do I know? Uh, but no, here's the thing, though. Um, I okay. do think her accent in this movie is what inspired Elizabeth Olsen for her Sokovian accent. I, I think I think her accent in this movie is dog shit. Cowboy hot dog dog shit. Uh, anyways, let's get to the plot here for Rollerball. I mean, honestly, we should probably spend, instead of talking about the plot of this movie, we should probably just spend like 10 minutes talking about how good the original is, because it was that weird vein of social commentary, 70s sci-fi movie that you don't get today anymore. You know, it, it's Logan's Run, uh, you know, uh, Rollerball. It was, it was like that near future sci-fi with a little, little social twist to it. It was, it was good stuff. But anyway, let, let's get through this plot because it's painful and uh, it's hard to follow. So I did my best. We have Jonathan, a talented but wild American hockey player who is lured to Kazakhstan to play in an ultra-violent roller derby-like sport by his old high school football pal, Ridley? Uh, whatever. Be- because in- he's he's so good at hockey, but he's got too big of an attitude to play professionally. So he goes and plays in this illegal sport in Europe instead. No, no, no. He's a first rounder who's making money in underground illegal street luge matches. Yeah. Why is street luging part of this? If if you're drafted, like I, it doesn't make any sense. And not to mention in the in the car after he's rescued from the street luge, that's when you know Ridley says, Hey man, it'll be just like the good old days. I block you run. That's a that's a football reference. They're that's football a, players. Yep, that's not a it's not a thing in hockey unless yeah, you're doing so, the flying V, I guess. It's not crazy that two guys that played high school football together, one of them ended up being a really good hockey player. Like that that's a it's a reasonable leap. That didn't that didn't lose me. What lost me is how is a all-star first round NHL draft hockey player also a street loser? How many street losers do you think there are in the world? 11? Hold on. I've got serious. Okay. I wasn't going to do this because I thought I I could get through this part of the movie without coming back to it, but we'll do it now. The movie 
has a bafflingly strange opening for a few reasons. And some of it comes apparent, like after we learn more about the characters. So just to frame it with knowledge of the characters, quote unquote, backstories, why is an out of work first round NHL draft pick bumming around San Francisco and participating in, in like underground street luge races? Like, if you're broke and don't have money, that's not where you're going to be if you're a hockey player. I'm assuming he came from someplace where there's hockey. And secondly, when they start off meeting up to get registered for the race that day, dude's like, uh, it's 350. And he's like, oh, I thought it was 400. So I got it's 350. Take it or leave it. And then he says, all right, you know, uh, it's winner takes all. And if the cops get you, you're on your own. I'm like, wait a minute. Is this a race or is it a paying gig? Because you said 350, not 400, and now it's winner takes all. What the fuck is going on here? I, I, I think and the movie doesn't care. I think you're skipping the larger point that he actually commits murder during this street lose race. Well, we don't this see the guy kind of die. He didn't die. He probably did okay. Maybe. I mean, he does send a dude like, 20 feet in the air through a plate glass window. I mean, they're going about 70 miles an hour downhill and he kicks them through a window. Well, Uh, dude had it coming. Don't start none, won't be none. He'll try to get him running over a truck, you know? I mean, that's fine. I got no problem with that. Our hero of this movie is Blaine from Airborne. I mean, that's that's the moral of the story. (laughs) He he did flee the country to Eastern Europe because the cops were outside his apartment, presumably trying to arrest him for murder. So yeah, maybe I mean again the movie doesn't really explain that either, but he just decides like, well, there's nothing left for me here. Like didn't seem like there was much to begin with. But moving on, once in country, Jonathan becomes a huge star and it quickly becomes apparent that someone or something is controlling aspects of these rollerball matches to increase the violence and pump up the TV ratings. Alexi, the league's owner, wants a lucrative cable broadcasting deal for his new sports entertainment venture, and he will do anything to get it. Uh, The movie then bounces between the pro wrestling style rollerball matches, which are becoming increasingly violent, and the behind the scenes political drama of the league and the owner's other business ventures. Uh, Jonathan is further exposed to the league's corruption by his mysterious teammate and love interest, Aurora. He then tries to talk his buddy Rid into leaving, but Rid tells him to suck it up because the money is just too good and they'll be protected anyway because they're star players. Rid eventually senses things are getting too dangerous when he's almost killed in an accident and he agrees to make a run for the border with his pal. And this gives us that infamous night vision scene. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Stop. Go back. You can't just say that infamous night vision scene with that level of brevity when they subjected us to no fewer than 16 continuous minutes of that green whatever. Like, do you guys remember the the Nintendo 3D, the one with, like, the... the, the oh, yeah, the Virtual Boy. Virtual yeah, Boy, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right? And it was all, like, the red vision, like, 3D grid mm-hmm. work, like, a la Trump. Like, that was what I felt like I was getting, and and... and and we were we were texting, watching no, this. And no, like, nobody's wearing night vision, and you go from camera to camera. And I understand why why we got it. Like I know the why now, sort of. But it's so bad, and it goes on for so long. 
Oh, the dialogue's painful. There's way too much dialogue in that scene. Um, but you know, it doesn't really remind me of the virtual boy. What it really reminds me of is the Paris Hilton sex tape, including the boy sound. Boy and the and and the and the unexplained blob at the climax that you're like, what? Well, that was the oh, wasted well, money shot. I can explain that. But anyway, Rid dies, Jonathan gets captured by his evil boss with whom he makes a deal. Trade Aurora to keep her safe, and he'll agree to play a retirement match or, or something. Ah, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, all the rules and penalties are dropped for this final match, effectively ensuring someone will die on the track, and Alexi double-crosses Jonathan slightly by placing Aurora on the opposing team, so she's not totally out of the fray, I guess. Uh, fuck, I don't whatever uh, anyway this final match is super brutal but jonathan manages to survive and save aurora how does the crowd not riot when they're watching jesus get murdered on the track he's obviously oh, a jesus person at this point right he's, he's our sort of it's, i mean they do right I mean, but anyway here hold on uh you may not know this but you know we're at the end of the movie here and in the movie's original ending they had Jonathan and Aurora flying back to the U.S. to play rollerball on U.S. soil. Is that a sequel tease? Uh, sounds like it. Wow. Yeah. At the studio, nip that right in the bud. Because uh, that's not what we get in the final film. In the final cut, after surviving his retirement match, because the other team quits and lets him 1v1 Latimer for reasons, Jonathan then jump kicks through the owner's box and beats up Alexi before killing him and his sleazy number two. Uh, meanwhile, to your point, Bobbles, uh, the fans are so displeased with this blatant attempt to kill their beloved star player, they began to riot against Alexi's goons while chanting Jonathan's name. And the movie ends. It's a let's happy go, ending. Let's Jonathan. go back to my bed. No, but 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 no, no, you, you missed the part where. There's the character, uh, our our homie from Predators, uh, Oleg, right? Yeah, Tartarov, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, he goes into the stands and gets murdered by the North Korean police, and he's the hometown guy. They're like, like they make a point before yeah, this, before the game, trying, like, to, trying to help his, his brother or something. His like, entire his entire shift from the mine. No, he's 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 a he's a, a lithium miner, whatever the hell they mine. Coal, it's a coal mine. It's coal, it's a coal mine. Uh, my ass, it's something way more toxic than that. And then Oleg gets shot in the back by the North Korean police. Meanwhile, all of his mining buddies are in the crowd. They're like, "That's upsetting to us." And they show him, but no, when you murder the hometown player with a gun in the stands, people no. riot. People riot. We're I, gonna get to my recommendation later. I'm gonna talk to sure. you about people rioting, but like people riot when you do that. What is happening? None of this makes any sense. I, I am the movie, the movie has no heart because no, I agree yeah. with you. Honestly, because of how bad of an actor Chris Klein is in the movie, and because Tartarov is Oleg's, I think his, his first name in the movie is like Olog, Olog Din something. They call him Denny, but his first name is his own first name. Anyway, dude, his his name and most of his IMDb IMDb credits, his character is always named Oleg. Oh my god! So, so, but yeah, he 
he because that guy has he's got a, he's endearing like you want to pull for that guy for whatever reason like yeah you care more about him than you care about chris Klein. yeah he, and he, he's also not getting paid very much like he gets paid a tenth yeah, of what chris kind gets paid a hundredth a hundredth yeah well he's and, and he and is a red herring in the beginning right oh like, my god to make him out to I, be the I, bad guy Chumzilla, you didn't even, even mention that. that he offers him a hundred grand and it's like first of all it's not even worth living in this shithole to play this stupid sport for a oh, hundred yeah. grand. Well, and, and then also, you know, just to make the again to make the other players more sympathetic, when Jonathan and Rid decide to make the run for the border, they can't get to Rid's apartment to get his cash because he's a star player and has money. So the rest of the team he gave each guy a wad of cash to help them yeah. on their travels. It's like <laughs> did, it's did like, you... like 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 these guys are the assholes, and like the other teammates are like the lovable like rascals. So like yeah, like you want to pull for those guys. So the movie, the movie just doesn't have any. They're they're off, literally just, leaving the other indentured servants to die, even though they're the rich ones. Like yep. see you later. We're and out. they got and 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 they got their escape funds funds from yep. the indentured servants. But is did anybody else think when when Chris Klein goes back to the locker room for his retirement game that they were all like looking at him like, all right, cool. Like we understand you got caught and you had to come back, but like. Where's our fucking loot, homie? Like, can you at least give us our money back? Because we, we're all poor. We gave you everything we had to get out of the country. If, if you didn't if, make it, we have that if back. If I were Chris Klein's teammate and we won the ball toss, I would field the rollerball and I'd beat him to death with it for not paying me my damn money back. Well, you're not going to have a chance because apparently you're allowed to have fucking axe bladed uh lacrosse oh ball, how about that when they had that highlight highlight hooks yeah, yeah. So, thank you so, it was you make an excellent point here thunder's wizard because if mctarnan had not and i'm gonna make some allegations here been coked out of his fucking mind he would have actually realized what made the first movie work and what the point of the original short story was and tried to adapt those themes to the future. Instead, yes. he was just like, I want to make a loud, dumb roller derby movie. The only thing that works about this movie, and this is a very loose thing, is its understanding that intertwining gambling so closely with your sport is going to create issues. Yeah. Because it is going to create issues here. That's a fact. <laughs> And it might already be creating issues here, but you cannot have gambling in your sport that linked to the point where you are deciding to influence things based upon but, the money coming in or the ratings going up. Yeah, well, that, that's the that, only thing this movie so, does well. So that's the two levers this movie uses: its ratings it's and ratings. the gambling. And the gambling thing, I think, to your point, is probably the more important. But the movie does the oh, least amount with, with it. But, See, but, I, I think it's the other way around. I, no, I, think I no, I think the ratings movie, for the, the movie deal. focuses on the ratings, yeah. but the gambling has more interesting implications. Yes. But the movie does less with that than it does the ratings. The ratings part. are a, like a big focal point, and yeah. also it, the, it just does not understand how ratings work. It visually, too. That's the no, thing. That's the how, the yeah. visual language of the movie is hyper fixated on the ratings part, but so much of the movie and this the 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 uh, subterfuge and intrigue has to do with the gambling side. They don't really explain it other than there's a lot of gambling going on. I think probably one of the weirdest throwaway lines in the movie is when uh, Jonathan is going to meet Aurora uh, clandestinely at that apartment or whatever. 
and he outruns his security detail and he says to them, oh, you know, it's like we have the highways to ourselves tonight and the security guard on the radio talking them through Bluetooth, I guess. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Um, and cause you know, cause, cause Chris, so Klein's characters, Chris Klein's characters in a convertible Shelby and these guys are back behind him in a dust buster minivan. And they're like, uh, yeah, our country's very poor. And he's like, oh yeah. Well, how come you guys are betting all your money on the rollerball then? And the one guy says, oh, it's, we call it the Atlantic city syndrome. And then the, the driver says, oh, be quiet what you say. What the fuck does that mean? What do you like? Like, like they're gambling well, their brains out. Like, essentially, the implication not, was certain people know what they're gambling on, and they're listening. I mean, the plebes uh, yeah. don't. Right? Yeah, like correct. The, it's like yeah, but but they don't even like show you like a Deadpool. They never make it like super super clear. Like they're betting on people dying and not just the outcome. Like, it, I don't. I mean, for that, they're called like, prop bets. Excuse right. me. I know. And like, you can tell this is a very pre-internet movie because if this movie had smartphones in it, I think it would have been, it might, it might actually would have helped the movie because that element would have like made it much more I think topical. The, but this the, is before that time. The biggest failing of this movie is it gets everything about what's coming basically wrong. Yeah. The gambling thing, it would have gotten right. It kind of did. Like, in the wrong way. Like just eschewing rules so more people get hurt. Like, that's that's not what's working about football for example like football's ratings are better well, than ever and the game is less violent i i, uh, I think you got to remember this came out and this was filmed in 2000 effectively yes the 90s this is still coming off the heels of the lawless ass 90s but this is the xfl era and yeah it's like no. you make this movie that's essentially xfl on rollerblades mm -hmm. and that league went bankrupt and the span of a year hold on we're gonna come to this because so. I, I do have a question later about what you think works with this movie um but anyway uh so quickly here before we head into break let's do our beer ratings i'm gonna start off um this is an all the beers movie a solid six no questions asked and maybe throw in a couple of shots to help you forget what you just watched yep. you guys agree bell to bell chugging you're yep. doing six in an hour 37 and change god no way around it. Mm -hmm. I hated this movie so much. I told my wife, I think it's the worst movie I've ever seen. I told you guys, I think it's the worst movie I've ever seen. I love John McTiernan. I Die Hard holds a very special place in my heart. So does Last Action Hero. Mm -hmm. This was offensively bad. It was. This is, I mean, this is studio meddling at a whole nother level. Like, you know, we did Justice League. That movie's an abomination. Right, but it's still like semi-coherent. I, 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 I enjoyed it as, as a movie. It did yeah. not offend And they tried to tie it together. There are things happening here. You will be shocked at how much this cost and the fact that it got released. Mm -hmm. You'll be In offended. I, I never saw it just because I heard it was bad. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't want to see it because it's bad. And I thought it was going to be cool. And then I heard it wasn't. I was not prepared for just how bad this is. Bear with me here, T-Dubs. This movie is bad on every level the casting is bad the performance is bad the script is nonsense the editing is in fact nauseating there are so many awkward cuts in this movie and weird editing transitions that i thought my tubi was glitching and that's mainly why i watched it three times is i wanted to make sure that those specific instances where it was really really bad we're in fact in the film and not just like a glitch. Literal double streaming. takes randomly. There's some a scene are, where two characters, two characters are in one place 
and the very next frame it's a to- you can see there was minutes probably multiple minutes just cut out of the scene yes yep it, ju- it jump cuts time i would say minutes i would say several seconds to the point that the characters move on the screen but that's amateur hour bullshit and probably the biggest sin this movie makes is the action is horrible it's not just horrible it's a lot of shaky cam and quick cuts okay i can forgive that because that's cliche bad action at this point but no like literally there's one scene uh the pivotal scene where aurora's motorbike gets um sabotaged and ridley yanks her off of it and then the bike literally just like slowly wobbles into a corner tips over and there's a small gasoline explosion literally who knew it was so incredibly easy to sabotage a motorcycle (laughs) it's just like in a 70 million dollar movie like that's not acceptable like that was like uh, a student film like you said bobbles that was real bad all right let me just do the actual beer rating Mm -hmm. uh it's the whole it's the whole six pack Okay. Right. Uh mm-hmm. no fun, all pain. Okay. Uh and no standard bobbles, Blake, mitigation and Midwestern niceties, right? Like this, no, this is fair. awful. Like you drink all the beer. Uh you finish that bottle of rot gut risky that uh Chumpzilla poured us for shots. Old crow. Um, yep. Yep. Definitely rub some of it in your eyes. That will help. If you were even able to survive watching this thing at all. Like I, I think that. There is a decent chance that certain people die from from epileptic seizures uh, or other flashing light conditions. I also told my wife, I told Mrs. Bling that this was the the worst thing I had. I, I'm sorry, Mrs. Bobbles. Thank you. Uh, that this was the worst thing I had ever seen, and she was, and you know, she gave me the normal like like, honey, like you love bad movies, like you you like like you. You laughed your dick off at Get Hard. And she's right. I did. I thought Get Hard was hysterical with, uh, you know, the Will Ferrell and uh, uh, what's his name? Short, short fellow. Uh, Kevin, Kevin Hart. Thank you. Not Kevin James. Uh, uh, I was uh, going to say, I was trying to say, I was trying to say Kevin James. Dude, I'm, I'm on my, uh, my third Fruit Force right now. It's almost gone. Uh, nine and a half percent. It is kicking into gear. But, Excellent. This is this is terrible. It's 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 literally like you know you guys said it's, it's unforgivable that that this actually got released. Yeah. Um, In this condition, I, I I'm not I'm not saying you could fix this movie. It's just shocking how bad it truly is. I also wasn't prepared. I I thought I I thought I had watched this at some point. Like when we were going to do it, I was like, oh, I saw that, and I must have watched part of it. But like when I was the other day when I was watching it again. I, I texted you guys. I, I couldn't get through the first 20 minutes. The, the shaky cam, I was relieved. I'm probably this later, but I mean, I was relieved when the Tubi commercials cut in. I've Be- never been so happy to see Pink and that swimmer guy talk to me about COVID vaccines. Right? Like, because, like, I, it, let, Phelps, it, let, Phelps. it let, it let, yeah, Michael Phelps, and it, it let my eyes like settle for a second and like, just recalibrate. I've I've never been so grateful for commercials. Yeah, on a free streaming movie in my life. Yeah. I normally hate them, obviously, right? But like, God, they were they were they were a welcome respite from from this. Just mm. dumpster fire is kind. It's kind. I'm sorry. I'm not as I'm not as eloquent as you two, but this oh, is no, awful. No, you're not wrong though. You're not wrong. But 
to your point, Bobbles, we got to keep moving here. And since we've covered the plot and now gotten your beer rating, uh, let's take a break and hear from the Mind Monkeys over at the now defunct Hop Nation USA podcast. Rip, fellas. Rest in power. Hey, everyone. This is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Welcome back to the Hops and Box Office Flops presented by Wovam Entertainment. We're still talking about 2002's Rollerball, and I have a few questions for the panel. We've kind of hinted at this and talked about it a bit, but I want to formally ask the question now. How did this movie get released in this state? The action stinks. The plot is utter nonsense. There is no character development. I would even argue it's negative in that sense. And the editing is atrocious. And perhaps worst of all, on $70 million, it looks cheap. I, I have no idea. My only guess is that Vince McMahon paid them $25 million to put his son in the movie as a birthday gift. Fair. And honestly, that might be the only excuse, T-Dubs, because this movie doesn't even have decent product placement. I, I have no answer for how this movie came out in this state. I mean, nobody that was on the production team clearly was present on the day they went over sunk cost analysis in economics yep. class in college. The fact that this exists and Batgirl got canned like proves once again that we're in the worst timeline, if not the darkest. Yep. No, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, Bobbles, to T-Dub's point, right? They should have wrote this movie off. This literally should have been like, nope, skunk it. Yeah, I mean, it really feels like that they were like, well, we put so much into it already, so I guess we have to finish it out. Like before, before studios got wind of the idea that you could just not do that. Yeah, yeah. Was it like, I, was it like a favor to McTiernan? Okay, we'll release it anyway. It's so bad. I, I mean, this the thing about this movie is normally I would say in a generic action flop that you know it probably went on to make money in uh, home video and cable. This movie is not on TV. It wasn't on TV. You didn't rent this. You didn't watch it with your friends. It wasn't on TBS, TNT, USA, whatever. This movie, it was just, it was just a freaking dud. It went nowhere. Do you think, so obviously we know that this pretty much ended Chris Klein uh, as a leading man. As a leading man, man yep. Yeah. Do you think that that it it kept LL Cool J from having a a leading man career because he he definitely had some movies after this right and and then he yeah. did well in like NCIS and like he's he's been very successful as an actor like I'm not saying anything bad about LL Cool J but like could he have done more in movies I always loved the guy I mean he's extremely extremely talented. Honestly, I think everybody aside from Klein came out of this relatively unscathed. And McTiernan. And McTiernan, yeah. I mean, McTiernan, yeah. 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 Uh, I, I, you know, I think if you look at the, the, the rappers of that generation, you've got LL Cool J, you've got Will Smith, you've got Ice Cube and Ice-T. 
I mean, I think LO is even earlier. LA was like 86 for his yeah. first album, right? Like, I mean, yeah, he, yeah. So, he had five platinum albums by the time that this movie came out, right? I mean, so, am I counting wrong? No, here, I'm just saying all those guys found their niches. That's all here, I'm saying. Here's my question sure. for, yeah, for right. the panel. And, and their criminal shows on criminal procedure shows on cable <laughs> networks. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Bigger stand on LL Cool J's career, this or when he did that god awful song with Brad Paisley where he said peace to Robert E. Lee, y'all. No, oh, God. This, no, this no, is no, no, you're, you're not putting that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> I peace did to forget, Robert e. Lee, uh, I, I was reminded about the uh product placement in this movie. I will say that I did actually Google. Does LL Cool J have sponsorship from Metrex? Because Metrex is uh, supplements, you know, the, the fitness stuff. Yeah, GNC. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I saw a sign in the background at one point in this movie. And obviously, also, Metrex is featured prominently in uh, Any Given Sunday. That's uh, the, they call me Steven. Okay. Be so, so, so that's that's Jamie Foxx. That's a different actor. No, okay. no, LO Cool J is in that movie. Don't give oh, me that. Oh, oh okay. Don't give no, me that okay. shit. I know that he's not Stephen Willie Beeman. Oh, all right, yeah, yeah. But he is in a movie that also features metrics, is all I'm saying. That was it. It's just is, is Latimer in that movie? Yes, he, yeah, throws he the is crocodile into the shower. Yeah, yeah, that's uh -huh. right. That's how a white man plays guitar. I actually think he's just playing himself in that movie. He's 100 playing himself in that. Movie. He plays himself in most movies. Down to the eye black. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, I mean, I guess an extension of this question is: How did a guy like McKiernan, with like legit action classics under his belt, screw up this badly? And folks, I'm just going to go out on the limb here and say I think he was coked out of his fucking mind he was so paranoid from his abusive stimulants that he wiretapped one of his co-producers because he thought he was talking shit to the studio and to your Wait. point t-dubs i do believe at this point he was so out of hand that there was so much going on they didn't make an example of him and they gave him just enough rope to hang himself and that rope was rollerball i actually think and I don't know how extensively we talked about this on the 13th warrior pod, but I know we did talk about it, but that experience was so negative for him. Yes, and, he, was, you know, he was, he was kicked out of the, the editing room. Right. And Michael Crichton was ghost directing scenes behind his back and mm -hmm. like fucking with his movie. And honestly, I think like the studio system just broke the dude and yeah. he took this movie he obviously wanted to make a lot of alterations to the existing script, which, you know, that's, that's Hollywood, whatever, but he Ego, just, whatever. I don't think he ever had, I don't think he ever really knew what he wanted to do with this, this mm -hmm. movie from conception to execution to design, everything is just botched. It's, it's totally yeah. blown. Nothing works. The set design doesn't work. What he's going for doesn't work. He takes rollerball, it's a really simple concept in the in the 70s film, and makes it as nonsensical as humanly possible. Yeah. It's I, yeah, it's classical complication. Yeah, I'm gonna save that for later because one of my final questions is about the original, and we'll we'll talk about that then. So let's let's hold on to any thoughts we have about the original because I, I think 
there's something to be learned from the original that this movie did not use. But anyway, uh, here's one of my non sequitur questions because they're non sequiturs in the movie. What the hell is up with those weird, like, bump commercial blips that the movie just throws at you? That is just nonsense. Well, I, it's, it's just, it's, it's supposed to be like TV commercials. It is their transitions, their only ch- like, uh, sort of, uh, nod to uh, corporate America owns you. Is, is it a yeah, framing? You know, is it a framing device? Or the, yeah. Are we supposed to feel like we're watching it, this it on just, TV? It just doesn't work. Like going it's to an announcer no, to announcer doesn't work. It's our nothing. 1984. It's our. It, it's that's it. It's it's the. Uh, uh, what, no, I, I, I was watching Wally with the kids the other day, right? So it's the 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 by and large or whatever you know. Sure, no, I, I get it. I get the uh, the uh, announcers. I get the the different announcers in the different languages. That's kind of just showing you, oh, the sports international, everybody, whatever. But when they go to a new country, you get those quick like slash cut music video random clips of video title card bullshit bump stuff like it's like adult swim stuff but not smart. honestly i think they well, add a lot of stuff in here post because they didn't have enough movie yeah it's stretch it out there's just shit it's like stock footage crap with a little bit of stuff from the movie yeah well they're they're trying to give you honestly they're trying to give you what you like chumpzilla which is to be shown and not told right but what so are they, I don't know what they're showing they're, me. Though. They're they're showing you that you're in a new location and yeah, that fair. this is a global game and that and that now they've traveled to another country. Like that's what uh, they're showing you. I'm not saying it's good or valuable, sure. but like they're they're actually I think trying to appease you in that sense rather than just starting a new game and putting it underneath like this one's in in Japan, Seoul. whatever. Yeah. No, this one's in Kyoto, exactly. And I will say this: I think that's one of the things where the movie fails uh, the hardest is that it doesn't make the different locations or stadiums uh, uh, and uh, teams. Yeah, I get the colors are different and some of the masks are, but they're just not different enough. It fails like that video game logic where you well, need it- to you need to fully have a new location. It seems like every match is played on the same stadium. So I, yes. I, I'm, I'm one of the things that, that upsets yeah, me about stage. this movie in terms of the plot is that like it, it accelerates so quickly from they're trying to cover up the gooning of some guys intentionally, whether that's a smashing a bottle in the face or, or particularly what, violent hits whatever. or whatever it is. Right. Like, yeah. like the, they're gooning dudes and in for ratings, right? Like, like they're getting mm-hmm. the hits for, for clicks. And then when that gets that gets kind of the the threat of that being exposed, they go immediately to murder. Yeah, yeah. It's, like it accelerates. It's not it, even it clear very, how they benefit from the murder. It just but straight murder. They could just pay people off. Which well, the is point the easy is, thing to do. money solves a lot of these problems. But to your point, you're right, Bobbles. I, they go right to murder. Well, I, I think I think what 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 happens is that that they're underselling or underselling us or undershowing us the value of this league. So yes, I think yeah, that's I, fair. Yeah, I think part of the international like we're showing you that we're in different countries is to say like this is a really valuable product. There's a lot of money like, being spent. Yeah, but we're we're watching it even in 1999 as NFL fans, and we're like is this a valuable product? Like it doesn't feel like the NFL feels doesn't uh, feel like, like a big sport feels. And 
To, you, to you would murder somebody to save the NFL, right? right like, right. like you would murder somebody to save the NFL today. You would do it. It's, well, it's I mean, billions and billions of dollars. I would murder somebody league. to save Joe Burrow, not so much the NFL. <laughs> yes, so, me too. but no, I think I think you make an excellent point. Here. Let me cut in for a second, of course, because the movie visually, the language of the movie gives us a lot of emphasis on that ratings ticker. If there was some sort of like money ticker for the players. Like whether it's gambling related or performance wise, if somehow the players had a competing metric where like they were getting money by doing a thing. So it encouraged like there's all sorts of interesting stuff they could have done with this to balance out that language and to kind of stage that uh, conflict between ownership and labor, which again, harkens back to the original movie, but this movie doesn't do that. So let's move on to my next question. What's the worst scene in this movie? Um, here's some suggestions. Is it the downhill race opening, the night vision chase, or just any of the chaotic garbage rollerball scenes? It's it's the finale scene. He would be dead six million ways to Sunday. He gets hit by a motorcycle multiple times. I, and, it's and ludicrous. The, and then it culminates with that god-awful jump kick through the glass, which makes no sense. He blocks the, a shotgun blast with a bar stool. Yeah. That he, that was actually pretty dope. I like Pat, that. Pat Morita <laughs> jumping through the windshield in collision course, the uh buddy cop movie with Jay Leno is more badass than Chris Klein <laughs> jump kicking <laughs> the window in this movie. The the I, I I mean I was texting you guys again, but like the the final fight being in like the weird like slow-mo him hitting people, like just again emphasizes the fact that a chris klein clearly is not an action star because he can't even choreograph a fight in real time yeah like to your point chumzilla like yeah he he blocks the the shot with the the cocktail table or whatever yeah and then and then they have the whole like the the broken shotgun shooting situation happens like a little overcomplicated but it's overcomplicated but like i'll give it some credibility over the rest of that scene because at least it was up to speed in terms of the film. Like it was, it's the worst. It's so bad. I hated the night vision, but, but you're right. The end was the worst. It was just, it's not an action movie. Why was that an action movie? Who, who is the action star of this action movie? Well, and, and I, I think there's an important thing that I now realize after listening to both of you dog on that last scene. Um, I wouldn't say this is a traditional action movie. Um, it's a weird extreme sports movie and there's some violence in the rollerball stuff. But a lot of that, like T-Dub said, was just bad wire work and, 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 and the motorcycle crap. And But it wasn't like gunfights or like your standard kung fu fights or goon battles. It was... It was a weird thing and uh, you know, whatever. I mean, it wasn't good, but maybe I should give them a little bit of credit. They were doing something slightly different, I guess. But that final fight when he confronts his boss in his owner's box, bunker, whatever, that is the closest thing to your traditional action movie climax fight scene, right? And it's slow. It's he- slow. It's clunky. And he would have been shot a thousand times. It, it, it's not. It's not good. It really isn't. But here's the thing. There's one thing that scene doesn't have that that night vision scene does. And that is 
Like that's just that's just offensive. And it's in the middle of the movie, and they just flip you the bird. I hate the night vision scene. That's my answer. If we were gonna get the the spring sound, it should have been when he watches Rebecca Romaine walk naked out of the weightlifting area. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That, that is that, that is peak Rebecca Romaine. Uncle Seriously, Jesse, you lucky in bastard. What, in what nineties world is this the PG thirteen movie? Well, uh, there, was there's a lot of, there, there was a lot of nudity. There's egregious, egregious uh, boobs, which I loved, but there I mean, were boobs everywhere in the first act. I mean, I get, yeah. I mean, those honestly, were, those were engaging into body double yeah. sex, admittedly body double, body, body double, double sex yeah. boobs. Like they like, should have made this rated R just bondage to hooked him with a cane hand. America's youth from watching Chris Klein act. Oh my god! Yeah, no, that's fair. That that actually should have earned the movie an R because that is truly offensive. All right, gentlemen, I've got a couple more questions here. Let's get through these. Uh, in your opinion, what was the most pointless B plot? And again, I have some suggestions: the hockey angle, the local boy made good, the face tattoos, the romance, or the gambling thing. The dearth of chemistry certainly puts the romance up there, but uh, the hockey thing makes no sense. He he clearly yeah. can't skate, and that's yeah. why the, the camera is so herky-jerky, because none of these people can skate. So, so th- just go back, go back to the opening when there's the football, you know, uh, mention, effectively. They should have just made him an All-American football player. That would have made more sense than it- hockey. It would have made more sense in hockey. And, and he should he yeah. should have like failed a drug test or something. He should have had like a legit like mark on his record that forced him into this, not just being too extreme. Yeah. You know what movie Why? does this a million times better with the disgraced athlete who's kicked out of the league and then the, the general co- corruption of sports and the replacements? <sighs> no, no, he's gonna say The Last Boy uh, Scout. Oh uh, I thought you were gonna do uh Paul Blake again. Oh geez, don't get. You want to hear the boy? Uh, <laughs> no, no, I know, I know. I know you got Grace Wetland. Take it easy. All right, hold on. I need a beer for this. Oh yeah, I gotta take the edge off with that bacula action. Yeah, you're right. Uh, Thunder's Wizard, like that. The hockey angle makes no sense. Why wasn't he an X Games athlete? Right, like in in this era, like it's supposed to be an extreme movie. Obviously, like. An X Games athlete makes way more sense, right? Makes like a way more sense. Well, like what? He's, I mean, he's doing street luge. This and, is clearly a NHL makes hold on. no sense. It's, it's hold triple X. on, hold on. Triple X. This is clearly a boomer trying to make a Gen X movie. That's why there's there's a lost in translation effect going on here. Yeah, like, Tiernan doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. As far as the the, the B pod, I think that was. Maybe not the most pointless, but like the most underused was the was was the Oleg, uh, the hometown yeah. minor kid. L- local boy makes good. Yep. They made a thing of that, right? They said it several sort times. Of, and his his dad brother is in the stands, and and, and he and scolds they, him for trying to pay at the bar. There's they have scenes together outside of the arena, even. They they run the character arc. They kind of play it like, oh, like maybe he is working with the owner. Like maybe he's a bad guy, but then he comes in and helps helps him escape and gives him the cash. And then you like him. 
And then during the climactic uh, Jesus murder of our protagonist, the passion he, of the cross, he ends up in the stands fighting the the North Korean guards and gets, technically for the second time he ends up in the stands right we've seen that once before yeah and mm -hmm. then, and then he gets he gets gun murdered in the back all cops like, are bastards yeah like mm -hmm. that that should have started the riot the riot should not have waited until it was over right like Oleg being shot the hometown hero well, being shot in the back in the hometown should have started the revolution. Yeah, you know, not, they, they, they totally the, wasted yeah. it. That was the, the whole point of that B plot, and they not, wasted it. Not well, yeah. the random uh, gun for hire. Nobody like, gives a fuck about Americano getting only, murdered on the track. The only defense I have here, to your point, there, Bobbles, is the fact that, like, uh, yeah, but he wasn't the star of the movie. So, hey, kid. Ain't that kind of movie? Like, and uh, why yeah. do it? But then, but, but then, but why? Right. Do it's it? wasted. It's wasted. He doesn't I, need to be there then. See, Bobbles, you're a thinking man, and I like that about you. I'm a petty degenerate, and I'm upset about the face tattoos because fuck, they don't make any sense. They don't explain it. Are they gets bad? Them? Are they good? Does it mean something? Uh, no. Don't I mean, show some people me those are proud. Don't, some don't people make... are ashamed. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. And, and, and like and Chris Klein's character, Jonathan, goes out to comment that Rebecca Romaine's character got one. Oh, they tattooed you. They, does that mean something? Tell me more. I need to know. I need answers. Well, that, Fuck, that's I, I'm, I'm another... fucking Charlie Day here. I don't need sleep. I need answers. No, that's it's a, uh, it's another show. Uh, I'm, 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 what's, what's uh, right uh, church, Shelton. wrong view. I'm, I'm Shelton. I'm Shelton. I don't need sleep. I need answers. What do the fucking tattoos mean? Did you just confuse it's always sunny in Philadelphia with the Big Bang Theory? Is that what just happened? I got my memes confused. Get out. You're drunk. We're done. Um, Bazinga. I, honestly, it, that didn't, didn't bug me. I mean, clearly that, I, you know, they're human cattle. I, I mean, it, so yeah, why don't they it's, all get this? It's pronounced chattel. Well, is, because is, is it is it voluntary? Does it mean I, it's not voluntary? Fuck it! Don't show me something and then don't explain it. That some of these so angry. some of these players have literally nothing. Like they like they are not the commodity. They're not worth anything. I know they're stamped. Whatever. It's it's just not a good movie. So like it doesn't work. But I get what I, I'm trying to say. And I will say you, this: you do the well. Movie, that's that's something at least. That if you get it, that's better than nothing. Because well, I well, didn't. So and the cool. movie does go out of the way. It's a throwaway line. You miss it if you don't watch the movie more than once. But it, during that final match, when everybody's getting like massacred, you know, uh, Alexi, the the boss, does turn around and say, "Hey, you've got the resumes and the headshots for the replacements lined up, right?" Like he knows he's going to lose players in that game. And They're all going to die. He's yeah. already lining up the replacements. So like there is there is some element the movie gives it to you a little bit you just don't really see it but well, anyway it's the whole sports yeah, uh, the yeah whole, that being a meat star market. players yeah. are the only people that matter yeah right now that we're talking about this uh, you know meat market aspect of professional sports where's the biggest missing sports cliche in this movie is it the lack of a training montage. The lack of an inspirational speech from a coach or a captain? Is it that there's no team building moment in practice or training somehow? Like, because this does not feel like a sports movie in the traditional sense. Uh, team building 
for sure, because yeah. Chris Klein does not seem like a person that anybody would like. He never feels like the leader of the team. LL Cool J Ridley always feels like the leader, right? Always, because he has a personality. Yeah. But also, like, I think this movie is just missing a cohesive explanation of what the fuck is actually going on. Ah, yeah. Like, and I, I know that's not like a, a cliche per se, but like, maybe in in any kind of a movie, we should know what the fuck is actually happening from yeah. time to time. To be fair, I glossed over that point. They do explain the rules of the game early on, and there's some like weird CGI animation, like some like stuff. You get that like in the first like 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah, it's it never great. comes yeah. back. The announcer never comes tells back. it, and, and they never follow the rules again. Nope. The rules seem to get thrown out the window. There's something like you have to make two laps, then score, or well, go they, over the, the bridge. The rules like literally do get thrown out the window that's change part, part of the yeah at the end of that's, the movie yeah but they, but, uh, they, they play never the come same play in the first place they play the same team twice and it's never clear yep. where they league. are because small everything league. looks yeah. the same it's well but, again when I, they establish that they've traveled you get a scene on a tarmac and then the interior of the same stadium but we also so, see them we also see them fly somebody home for medical treatment which is interesting. But, but again, but I it's, told, just, it's, just, it's just tarmac interior. Tarmac interior. There's I, no I told, establishing shots. I told Mrs. Bling, I thought it was really funny about the whole, like, the the explanation by the announcer. Like, can you imagine turning on Monday Night Football after the kickoff? Like, Tony Romo gets on the camera and is like, all right, so now the offense has three tries to get it at 10 yards down the field. And if they don't, they can either punt it or try again, and then somebody else has to try to score. What what you what you've sport come, have you ever tuned into? Like where in the first five minutes of the of watching the broadcast, Bobbles. the announcer explained the rules. Bobbles, have you never? It's watched? not that kind of movie. No, no, and it definitely isn't. But have you never watched the American Gladiators? That's exactly what this movie is trying to do. It's a weird okay. mashup of American Gladiators and professional wrestling. But anyway. They explain yeah. the rules every time they do the next challenge. Okay. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you're I, right. what really, what really, after watching the original, I really, to your point, I can kill two birds with one stone. They should have had a training montage of these rollerballers, our team with Chris Klein and LL Cool J and Rebecca Romaine and and, and uh, Olag, uh, you know, Tektarov. They should have trained together as a team and had like a training montage. And then we would have really loved it when the mentally challenged guy got killed in the first Which game. we haven't talked about because it's just offensive. And I don't really want to talk about it because it's awful. Yeah. It's one of the worst parts of the movie. So dated. But they, they should have spent time training together. And they could have also used that as a way to teach us the rules of the game. So the yeah. movie didn't have to focus on it so much because to your point, in a hour and a half movie, we don't need that constantly from the anonymous announcer. Yeah. Because honestly, the rules in the game don't matter. They in the don't context of the film. They try to make it matter by pounding it down our throats, but ultimately, as far as the action and the plot goes, they don't matter. But, but what anyway, have, what would have really mattered was actually knowing who our characters are and giving any and why, amount why of we care, care to them. them. Yeah. Yeah. The only thing we learn about the characters is in the hospital scene after. Ridley has been injured and they're going to bust him out and they're going to run for the border. And that's when you find out that Oleg's got family that's still there. He can't leave because they'll kill. 
and uh, and Aurora has her mother apparently. So you know what? Okay, fine. That's not all the movie gives us. It's barely a thread, but we'll hang on to it. Huh. And I have one last question: Have either of you seen the original? And if so, did you like it? Yes, I I watched the original. I like okay. it a lot better than this. It's still very weird and it's very it dated. Yep. Uh, but at least it has coherent things to say, and the and the rollerball scenes are way better. They are. The action is better because they're longer shots and it's real action. Bling Blake, let me tell you something. I'm sorry, Bobbles Blake. Let me tell Thank you, something. you. The original movie is not good, but it is a very interesting, like near future sci fi movie. And to understand it, to get what they're trying to say, you have to know two things. One, it's about professional football. Cool. And two, it's coming from the angle of an era before free agency. Also cool. And which it, it's it's this is a movie. It's it, it is a sci-fi movie. There's some libertarian individualism angles in it. You know, society wants you to conform. You know, I like that. Yeah, yeah. That, that's fine. But the the core of the movie, what makes it work, is it's that labor begins to understand that they are the draw. And ownership has to wrestle with the fact that labor is the draw. You know what? Because you got a great movie, right? In the, like, 50, the 50s and 60s and heading into the 70s, professional athletes had to sell insurance in the summers. That's right. Well, it, being, being a professional athlete wasn't a full-time job. Even if you were the quote-unquote star, you were you the product. You still, you were just the product. You weren't yourself. And this is the movie where like, all, that, that's the angle is all of a sudden, like the players get bigger than the game and then ownership has to start actually paying them. Uh, it's again in an it, era before free agency, it's hard to understand that. It's a, it's a bed, pretty right? prescient movie. There's like an entire scene of a bunch of corporate schmucks lighting trees on fire for shits. For fun. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's got the whole like women are our property thing it going does, it, yep yep it does which it is does, uh, they, they kind of give his wife away which this movie dabbles in right with the, the whole kidnapping trading part yeah but it doesn't do it as well as as that movie i mean no, like, that's no. literally like a point of the movie is like they're here for you right like oh i'm staying with you now um which i mean now you get the handmaid's tale and like that's a big thing and and uh women's mm-hmm. uh, uh freedom of choice being attacked and, and etc and so on but yeah, it's just a it's a shockingly more thoughtful movie than this mm-hmm. is. Yep, all that has to be done to make that a superior movie was like, was it competently shot with cameras and yes. edited by professionals? And and James, Conn... then it's then, then 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 it's infinitely better than this one. Done. James, James Kahn actually acts in the film. He gives a yeah. good performance. Yeah, yeah. It's a little give, understated. Give me, it's a little understated, me a, but it's a give good me performance. A story, give me a story, and I'm yeah. really, really happy with it. But, like, again, if it's just simply competently shot and edited, then it's already a better movie than this. Yeah. I, it, it, it wanders a bit, but it's not bad. But here's what I'm going to say. that There are, like, three redeeming things for this movie. Okay? It accurately reflects the pinnacle of the violence in the NFL for entertainment, because I'm sorry, 
if you played football in the 90s at any level, you were trying to take the other guy's head off for free. Yeah. It, you, yeah. Weren't, you, you weren't even getting paid. You were being coached to fucking paralyze head, that guy. Headshots. But, lead, yeah. lead with your own head. Use your helmet as a weapon and aim for the head. Take the guys out. Human missiles. Because it's an effective technique to, to maim the opponent. Um, and it this movie glorified that type of mentality, which again, yeah, it was probably a little late for it because that was coming out of fashion, as you said, T Devs, but still, that was part of it. So that basically predicted the whole Saints bounty gate thing. And what I what I find funny about the pearl clutching over that is like, oh my god, you're telling me these professional athletes are trying to hurt the other team's quarterback. I'm like, motherfucker, I was trying to behead the other team's quarterback in high school for free. Like nobody was paying me, and I was still trying to take the guy's head off because that's what we did. That was the game, man. Like that was a clean hit back in the day. But oh, oh my God, the, the the pros put money on it, and that also leads into the gambling aspect. That all of a sudden the gambling gets involved, and everybody starts freaking out. Like, man, you don't think they're betting in the clubhouse about who's going to get the first hit or who's going to get the biggest hit, whatever. Secondly, the product placement. When they make Jonathan take a second drink out of a sports drink with the label on the front, that made me think of something happened a few years later when the Bears went to the Super Bowl with Erlocker and he and he wore his vitamin water hat to the press conference. And that wasn't league official gear, but it didn't matter because Erlocker had an endorsement deal with vitamin water. So he had more than enough money to pay that fine. And that I saw the fact that that's like that's the conflicting interest between the corporate world and the sports world, yada yada yada. And of course, those those lines are blurred even further out with the gambling. And the other thing that really stuck out to me, and I thought like I can't believe this was in a movie in this era, is when the reporters are interviewing Ridley LL Cool J's character, and they're like, "Hey, is it true? Is your mother a crack whore?" And that's she's a pediatrician. She's a pediatrician. And that's a real thing that happens to NFL prospects. I think it's stopped now. But like six, seven years ago, that's still a thing that happened to these guys when they would be interviewed by NFL teams at the Combine in Indianapolis. They would ask them inappropriate questions about their family and stuff like that. Like, hey, is it true your dad's in prison? Does your mom have a drug problem? Like they used to ask these guys all sorts of shit that you could never ask anybody else in a job interview with a legitimate company in corporate America, stuff that HR would fucking come running and screaming to stop you from doing. But that's stuff the NFL used to do because it was professional sports and nobody fucking cared. So I will give this movie some credit for like touching on those subjects, but they get no credit beyond that because they don't do anything with them. They had the ability with this story to actually say something and which the original movie sort of did tr tried to do at least and yeah, tried sure you know to your point that that is the major downfall right here is that, that like this movie had the opportunity to do that and they didn't even try to like no, and, and they, the end, they the were end, set up the perfectly goes, the end goes nowhere effectively. yeah but basically, it ends like the Chronicles of Riddick. Uh, you, you you keep what you kill. So now, J Jonathan's in charge. And now but, we're done, right? Like it's right. Just, it's dumb. Yeah. If, if if I had to say the only thing that I that I actually liked about this movie was I enjoyed uh, our announcer, right? Uh, and mm, Thunderous sure. Wizard 
will be able to tell me the name of of uh, the gentleman's name. He is a famous uh, yeah. WWE promoter manager. Paul um, Heyman rules. Paul Heyman, thank you. And you know, I love the movie. Starts on him like like drunk in the back of a cab and I, like yeah, like that's, he's, a, that's, that's a weird cool part of the movie. I I, I like him. Dope. He's pouring yeah. Bailey's in his coffee. Like I feel like there should have been a scene where he talked to to Jonathan. Like there should right. Be like, like they could have done something. They could have done he, something he, with Paul Heyman. Like he doesn't even get a name. He's just the announcer. The announcer. Uh, all right, man. Hey, we're way in the weeds here. So before we head into the competitive portion of the pod, let's take a break and hear a word from our Wobam Entertainment brother from another mother at the Double Turn Podcast. Hey everyone, it's the J-Man and I'm the host of the Double Turn Podcast. Every month, myself and a featured guest bring you the best in pro wrestling talk. Whether it's previews and reviews on pay-per-view events, discussing the hottest topics in the industry, or taking a look back at some of the greatest matches and moments in history. So check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the Anchor app. And give us a follow on Twitter at TDT Wrestling Pod and on Instagram at The Double Turn Podcast. And don't forget to check out our home base at wabamentertainment.com for all your comic book and movie needs. And check out our sister podcast, Hops and Box Office Flops. Enjoy, and we'll catch you on the flip side. All right, listener, welcome back to the Hops and Box Office Flops podcast presented by Wobam Entertainment. It is finally time for our rollerball trivia challenge that I have so eloquently titled as the close your eyes and take the money trivia challenge gentlemen this is the pod standard it is five questions multiple choice and tonight she'll be playing for alexi's badass six-wheeled jeep grand cherokee are you excited very i don't i'm not buying it Oh, Bobbles Blake is pretty excited about that six wheel Cherokee. Did you not see that thing? That, that, that that's like the pussy magnet that Borat was trying to talk about. It was a six wheeled is dope. Cherokee. Is is very nice. Very nice. Yeah, it's none of that cowboy hot dog dog shit. Uh, my Russian accent needs some work. Okay, so tonight's chimes are in fact. Cowboy hot dog dog shit. I feel like Freddy Krueger. Jonathan. Or any of the pod standards. Good luck, gentlemen. Are you ready? I was born ready. All right. Question number one. The short story that both versions of Rollerball were based on was originally titled Rollerball, two words, murder. And first appeared in what print magazine? Was it A, Playboy, B, Esquire, C, hometown favorite Hustler, or D, Rolling Stone? Cowboy hot dog the dog shit. That's Bling Blake. I'm going to go with Playboy. That seems like it might work, but I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Ooh. The Thunderous Wizard Can You Steal. Oh, uh, raindrops. God, hey, it's all going, yours, man. He's going GQ, I know. I, I'm going with uh, Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone. You know what? 
that was a last minute replacement. I had we there. O-U-I, the French porn mag. But I said, Rolling Stone seems more realistic. And you took the bait. I'm sorry, T-Dubs. No, the short story originally appeared in B, Esquire. I'm sorry. That no was one my, gets a point there. That was my second guess. Yeah. So. Okay, so it's Goose Eggs heading into question number two. Which of these pod favorite actors turned down the lead role due to scheduling conflicts? Was it A, Christian Bale? B, Keanu Reeves, C, Nick Cage, or D, Will Smith. I'm going to see. Oh, I'm going to give that to the Thunderous Women. I thought it was Nick Cage. It was Nick Cage. Oh, you bitch. I forget what he, he went. He did some other movie that wasn't very good or bad, but it wasn't Rollerball. Nick Cage loves bad scripts. This seems like a Nick Cage movie. Yeah, it better. I was I was actually gonna guess Will Smith, so I can't be too mad. But uh, uh, see, I think it's gonna be like an opposite of the Matrix. Will Smith would have taken this role, and they would have like, they, yeah, they got him a white buddy to replace the the LL Cool J character. The Matrix has just an abundance of people who made terrible decisions. Like this... Jet Li could have been in the Matrix Reloaded, uh, which admittedly sucks. But it's better than it's better than uh, it's better no, than the one, which is what he, he would turn. He would have been a, yeah. He would have been a great uh, uh, key master, or whatever the hell that character was. Like he would have. Well, he was really going to well be that. the defender of the uh, Rick Moranis, Oracle, the, the key master. Yeah, yeah. The guy. Yeah, the guy. Uh, that the key master. The like other Asian. Old ga- yeah, not old the old guy. man. The guy that was the Asian dude that fucking kicked everybody's ass. That guy. Yeah, he, he was, was going to be, be the Oracle. Oh, Jackie Chan. Got it. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't Jackie Chan. It was some really talented actor. I have no idea what his name is. So, But that is one point for the Thunderous Wizard. And we are now on to question number three. Jeff's a fucking liar, Timmy. Director John McTiernan famously went to jail for spying on a rabble producer during Rollerball's production. How long did he serve in the pokey? Was it A, 730 days? B, 442 days c 365 days or d 328 days parts and tarts that is the thunderous wizard well it was a 12 month sentence so i'll just go with 365 wow um the first half of your your answer is correct yeah the second part yeah. is not yeah it was so, not yeah. 365 days Bobbles yeah. Blake, can you steal? I'm going to go with D, 328 days. Sir, that was an excellent exercise in deductive reasoning. It was 328 days. He did have a like 12-month sentence, but he was released like a month early because, again, he's rich and it was club fed. It's so, called it's called good behavior and time served, and one of the members of this podcast is a former prosecutor. And, um, and that, two of the members of this me. podcast have been in jail. There's so. an article out there, uh, yeah, allegedly. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Allegedly. Hey, hey, guess what? Uh, the, for, the former prosecutor's been in jail more than once as well. <laughs> there's there's an article out there, basically that was in uh, 2019. I think it's in the Guardian. And uh, McTiernan's wife was interviewed, and uh, boy, does she she give a real bleeding heart case about how miserable poor john is and da 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 and i agree he got railroaded but like sort of like martha Stewart, right like he was famous 
it was like we can get this guy it's there an was, example whatever there was no real reason for him to serve jail yeah. time there really was uh, but just, like oh just, he's remember, he's a shell of himself he's a ghost and da, 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 da. it's like he's like in this cushy prison like stop just stop. remember folks when you get that rich bribe the right people not the wrong people but FYI, anyway. he uh you know he blackmailed Chuck Roven, producer of my favorite film, one of my favorite films, Batman vs. Superman. Oh oh no. I I don't I, think I've ever seen that one. Uh what's it about? Oh well it's about Captain Cash being a fucking whiny <laughs> bitch. That's what it's about. And moms. But anyway, guys. Anyway. Yeah, we've got a contest here. It is tied one to one. After our third question, we've got two to go. It's anybody's game. Heading into question number four, Rebecca Romaine would only agree to her role in this film if two conditions were met. One was that she would not appear nude or topless. What was the second? Was it A, she got to have a sweet scar, B, she could design her own costume, C, she got to ride a motorcycle, or D, she got to pick her accent. Farts and tarts. That is the Thunderous Wizard. I believe it's a scar. It is. Oh, you asshole. She was like, I want to be Dr. Doom. Give me a facial scar. I was going to guess motorcycle anyway. So. I really enjoy, I did really enjoy that sex scene with Chris Klein when he's like, your scar is not even that bad. And she's like, I know. And he's like, so why do you always turn your face away? I'm like, have we seen her turn her face away from anybody in the movie? Like, Jesus, no. don't remind me of that. All that being said, you still have a chance to tie it, Bobbles Blake. You're down one to two, but there's one last question, question left. Last question. And okay. here we are. Last question. Rollerball's new metal soundtrack was sadly never released. Which one of these bands? was not on the unreleased soundtrack. A, Green Day. B, The Deftones. C, Godsmack. Or D, Hoobastank. I'm going to shoot! Wayne Blake, bold move. What's your answer? Shit. Uh, what, what was B? Deftones, right? B was Deftones. That is 100% correct. Yes! Yeah, this movie was not tasteful enough to have the Deftones. It was so it's, obvious. It's ridiculous. That's a ridiculous <laughs> sentence you just I, said. I, 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 feel, I feel like that's that's the Thunderous Wizard giving me a hard time here. I didn't hear no. Green Day in the movie. I did not hear either. Green Day. but I didn't I, either, but it, 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 it fit better than the Deftones. Outside of Rob Zombie is, is fucking terrible. Fucking P.O.D. is on the soundtrack. Yes. Ugh. Yes, there. Boom. Here comes the like boom. The yeah. That was also featured in a Kevin James movie. Yeah. Uh, well, that was the what, what, title what was, of the movie as what, well. What was their so, other yeah. big, what was their, other, what was their other big hit? The South Side, South Side. It was in a Madden game. I, I have no idea, and I times. do not care. I yeah. don't care. Well, it's a tie game. So um are we gonna do like like a child custody deal with the Cherokee? Like, how are we gonna make this work? No, here's the deal. Blake Blake and I have to hop on a motorcycle, two motorcycles, mm-hmm. okay, and we have to jump across a bridge that's being raised 
wait, whoever wait, gets wait, sniped, stop, whoever stop, gets sniped stop, with the stop, flare gun no, stop, loses. Stop! Stop! Can it be done in night vision? Night. Well, it has to be done at night. Okay, vision. good. Okay, no, no, Exclusively in night vision. So whoever gets sniped with the flare gun that takes thirteen seconds to get to its target loses. It's a good. It was a good shot. There was there was yardage. There was windage. There was drop. It was the curve of the earth. It was hold a good on, shot. Was a good hold shot. on. How how did this movie fuck that up so badly? Why wasn't the filter song "Hey Man, Nice Shot" playing during that scene? Ooh, wow! Wow! Movie, movie, Mind blown. Movie couldn't afford it. Hey <laughs> man, nice shot. Hey man, nice shot. Come on, that was. That would be par for the course, right? Yeah, it would fit perfectly. Yes. In fact, yeah. all right. So, are you guys like, well, one of you guys die, the other guy gets the Jeep. I, I don't even fucking care at this point. Um, that brings us finally oh, to the trip. end of the episode and to recommendations. And I, as always, am selfish. So, I'm going to go first. And my recommendation this week is a fun little movie with a killer cast that flew under my radar. And it is 2016's Elvis and Nixon. It is a dramedy based on the most requested photo in the National Archives. And you might ask, what is that? It is a picture of Nixon and Elvis Presley shaking hands in the Oval Office. And uh, so what we got here is Michael Shannon playing a paranoid and kooky Elvis opposite a really great Nixon, sadly, played by a pre-canceled Kevin Spacey. Mm, my bad. But you also get Johnny Knoxville, Alex Pettifer, uh, Colin Hanks, Evan Peters uh, in supporting roles. And oddly enough, this movie was written by Carrie Elways and Katie Sagel's brother. Weird. Anyway, uh, it's free on Amazon Prime. Check it out. Elvis and Nixon. Oddly enough, very true story. Obviously, the movie is satirized to a certain degree I've yeah seen it's it a fictionalized like it. account yeah. but elvis met the president packing fucking heat yeah because he was elvis that photograph is hanging uh just about nine feet away from me in bling i'm sorry bobble blake's uh office right now uh i i have that photograph i that has been on my elvis wall for uh over a decade and I love that photograph. And I also love that movie, Chumpzilla. Michael Shannon is so much fun in it. Uh, He's I know really he, good. He really is. I know we're supposed to hate Kevin Spacey, but he is a fun Nixon. Uh, you know what? A, it is a Nixon a great film. impersonator. I allow it, right? Because he's yeah. not really Kevin it's, Spacey. It's just, weird because most people that play Nixon are now problematic. Like Frank Langella is in Frost Nixon. Great performance. And He's an asshole, but not as big of an asshole as Kevin Spacey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it also helps that, you know, Nixon himself is an asshole, which I find entertaining because I'm like, I, I can hate them both. I can hate Spacey and Nixon at the same time. So, it's a win-win. No problem. Nixon no problem. also probably riding some of the, you know, the white rails because he went a little uh, schizo. He was a drunk. He was a drunk. Very He was, he was, I know, fucking hammered. Yeah. And, and hey, guys, uh, n- not to be a downer, but while we're talking about former presidents, uh, quick little uh, uh, glass tap uh, cheers to uh, President Jimmy Carter. I know we're all oh yeah thinking about him right hey, now. I'm, da- I'm down here in the Peach State and 
Fucking A, Jimmy. Cheers we'll to you. We'll be brother. sure love them. So uh, that brings us to our next recommendation. T-Dubs, what do you have lined up for us, brother? Okay, so I was going to just recommend the Jimmy Jack Con Rollerball because it is free on Paramount+. Plus. Oh, that, that, that's the obvious recommendation. Yeah, as well as it's, several other It's places, also on Tubi. But you can watch it on Tubi, too. In light of the, the Jimmy Carter news, uh, there's a documentary uh, that I believe you can watch on HBO Max. Uh, called Rock and Roll President, and it's a it's about Jimmy Carter and how kind of he was kind of a Renaissance man, and he he made President like kind of cool, being President kind of cool, and he invited all these bands to the White House, and he invited eclectic, uh, you know, groups, and and he brought he culture. put solar panels on yes, the roof of the yes, White House in the seventies, but he brought People. culture to the White House and. Jimmy Carter's a tremendous, tremendous human being. I don't care what side of the political spectrum you fall on. The guy's been doing Habitat to Humanity into his 90s. He, you know, he wrote commercial for Pete's sake. He's an awesome guy. And he was one of the good ones. And his presidency was obviously, uh, it did not go as I'm sure he planned. And there was an unfortunate recession and this, that, or whatever. And there's, you know, there's the, there's a botched you know, mission here or there, but he was a good human being. I, and it's a, yeah. it's a fun documentary. It's a good look at Jimmy Carter, the person, as well as what he brought to, to Washington. All right, T-Dubs. Well, thank you for your very, very thoughtful commentary on the Carter presidency and as a Peach State resident at the moment, yes, we all do love Jimmy Carter, but we can't end there. We've got to get one more recommendation in before the end of the pod. And Bobbles, Blake, that would be you. What do you have for us tonight? Well, you guys said Jimmy Carter, so you're going to get a bonus recommendation from me. And that is uh, The Wild President. Uh, you can find that uh, by searching NRS Films and the oh, I've, ar- I've already got I've already got uh, Bill Clinton Monica Lewinsky porn like primed up on my Pornhub. Is there something else you're talking about? Can uh, you not defame Slick Willie? My wine topper of his face is not happy with you right now. <laughs> that's that's strangely disturbing, but okay, I'll I'll back off. The Wild, the Wild President is a very, very short documentary uh, done by the company that I work for uh, about, about six or seven years ago uh, regarding when Jimmy ran the Bull Sluice Rapids on the Chattooga River and began the process of the National Wild and Scenic Rivers Act while he was still governor of Georgia. It's a really fun film. It was really cool that people in my company got to work with Jimmy to create it. Nice. Um, and uh, it just, it, I, I am passionate about uh, our waterways and access to them and keeping them pristine uh, for both recreation and uh, all kinds of reasons. So that one is very close to my heart. And again, uh, our, our, our former president, Jimmy Carter, being in hospice, it just, it means a lot to us, and uh, and that's a big one. But in relation to our movie tonight, corruption, and oh 
it got me on uh, thinking about this great mini series on HBO Max right now that you can get. Uh, it's a few years old, but it's called We Own This City. And it is about oh, yeah. corruption. Fucking super cop. Is about the corruption in the Baltimore City Police Department. Uh, it stars a pod favorite in John Barenthal as a mm. dirty Baltimore cop, Wayne Jenkins, and a whole host of other people that you've seen and you might recognize uh, a lot that you won't. Uh, but the miniseries it, it follows the rise and fall of the notorious gun trace task force in Baltimore City Police Department. I lived in Baltimore uh, for a lot of the time that this this miniseries covers. Uh, and then I was living in College Park, Maryland, uh, uh, about 20 miles south of Baltimore, when a lot of the stuff came to head. When, when the Freddie Gray stuff happened, I was only about a year out of living in the city. I used to work as uh, a lot of you listeners and, uh, and and pod members know as a prosecutor in Baltimore County, which is around Baltimore City. So, so, so Bobbles, man, I mean, I hate to say this in front of people, but when are you going to drop them charges, bro? Come on. Uh Bro, Wait, man, this is this is this can drug out, man. Like, I I ain't corrupt. Throw, you know? throw me a bone. I mean, this show is amazing. Yeah. Uh, in in terms of illustrating like what life was like in Baltimore and how policing worked, and then I was on both sides of it, and I saw a lot of it. Man, uh, a really good show, and I I could not recommend it more. Uh, check out We Own This City on HBO Max. It's it's on there right now. It's six. Yep. Seven episodes, I think. Uh, yes. So you get through pretty fast. It's great. The very good show. We all know that T Dubs and Captain Cash loves Barenthal. Uh, Barenthal's don't, great, don't, man. don't give Captain Cash that credit. Barenthal's my guy. He's okay. The no, you claim him. It's fine. Let the record show he's T Dubs' boy now. Well, I think that uh, settles things up for the night. And uh, fun fact, listener. Next week, we're taking to the skies with the skydiving movie featuring cops and starring Gary Busey. No, it's not Point Break. We'll be talking about 1994's Wesley Snipes vehicle, Drop Zone. I've never seen it, and I can't say that I'm looking forward to it, but whatever. As always, you can find the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Hops and B.O. Flops. You can find me on Twitter at Chumpzilla8. You can find the Thunderous Wizard on Twitter at WriterTLK. Bling Blake does his Twitters from the at Bling Blake, although this week it should be Bobbles Blake, but eh, don't sweat it. Anyway, hey, we love audience feedback, so don't forget to leave us a review or drop us a line on the socials. And to all you rollerballers out there, shut your eyes, take the money, and don't be like Uncle Wesley. Pay your taxes.